Hi, my name is Caroline, and I'm so glad that you're joining us on our Grace Journey podcast. At Grace Church, we are all about knowing God and reflecting His way. I hope this sermon will do just that by feeding your mind with the knowledge of God and engaging your heart to live a life reflecting His grace and truth. Let me just start by saying how grateful I am to be back, of course, but also for this time that you gave uh, me to go away. When you go away like I was able to go, it's this amazing moment where you can pray and listen and encounter and think without an agenda, and it's such a rare gift, and I don't take it lightly. It also makes it so much sweeter, to me at least, when you get to come back home, both to the United States, to Ocala, to your church family, and to your, uh, your biological family. I love all of that experience, and I just want to start by saying thank you to you who uh, made space, because I think it's in the leaving, it's in the leaving that we see, feel, learn, experience, get to know what a good thing God is doing in our lives, because then you come back and you realize, oh, God has such a great plan, he's doing such a great thing, so I wanted to start by saying thank you, and to let you know that one of the things that, uh, that I did while I was away was uh, binge a little Netflix, or, you know, binge a little television, uh, Maybe you're familiar with, with binging. This is that, that uh, very popular pastime where you literally do nothing but watch television or watch a show. And sometimes the goal is how far can you get in a show, right? How much of a show can you watch in a day? And then you know you've done absolutely nothing with your life. <laughs> it's a, a sure sign. Uh, so one of the things that Marissa and I binged while we were uh, away was a very, very popular series on HBO called Game of Thrones. Now, let me just say, I'm not endorsing this series, okay? It's a highly immoral and much more graphic than we anticipated show. Uh, But there was something that really sort of stuck out to me as we were watching this show, uh, and at several points, like, whoa, this is is too much, uh, in this really complex world with these compelling characters. one thing that caught my attention at the very end of the season, uh, the last season of the last show, and again, don't worry, I won't give you any spoilers if you're uh, going to watch it, cautionary tale there yet again, uh, was that these two characters, Ned and Caitlin Stark, these two characters dominate this eight, uh, this eight episode, eight series, eight seasons, rather, eight seasons, they dominate the storyline, and yet... Those two characters, they're barely in the show, actually. They're not in the show hardly at all. They are super important. They are this mom and dad figure to five kids and two adopted kids. They are the king and queen of this northern land. They affect almost every scene. Almost everything that happens in that show is some kind of effect they've had on their children. After you watch all eight seasons, you see that Ned and Caitlin cast this unimaginably long shadow that's powerful and, for the most part, incredibly good, that change the very nature of how their kids act in the world and how their kids act in the world ends up changing everything in that whole show. And I found myself, as I watched, as we got to the end of the show, I found myself considering the shadows that I cast, the shadows that we all cast, the shadows that Grace Church cast. What does it look like 
for us to leave that legacy. And what is that legacy going to be? What I love is that our, our uh, reading from Hebrews today covers exactly that topic. That is the shadow of faithfulness. What does it mean to be faithful? And if you want to look along with me at Hebrews, I'd love for you to do that. As you're turning to that, I want you to also consider this question. Why, if you are a Christian today, if you call yourself a Christian, why do you call yourself a Christian? Now, there's a lot of answers to that question. You may call yourself a Christian. You may call yourself a Christian because of the way in which you've encountered and received God's love. Maybe you call yourself a Christian because you believe that God willed you from the beginning, the dawn of time, to bring you into his family. Certain scriptures can support some of that. Maybe you believe that God called you into his family to be one of his followers so that you could help build his kingdom here, be part of his purposes in the world. All of which are true, but pragmatically, how did you become a Christian? Well, it's kind of simple. Someone told you the stories about Jesus Christ, the linchpin of Christianity. Someone actually told you not only his stories, but told you, this is true, this is real, and you should believe in it. You should believe in God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And as you heard those stories, at some point in your life, you chose to believe them. Now, let me make a very quick but important distinction between, I, I think I've said this to you here before, but it's just important to hear it again, a distinction between belief and faith. Belief and faith. They're different things. So I want you to understand them a little bit, particularly because our Hebrew text is talking about faith. Belief is something that you've experienced before and you believe it will occur again. You don't have uh, direct proof it's going to occur again, but you believe it will. So the easy example of that would be like a sunrise or a sunset. You've seen one of those before, hopefully, and so you believe that it will happen again. You believe that the earth is spinning uh, on its axis and around the sun, and you're going to be able to see that sunrise again. You believe things because you've experienced them before. That's what belief does in us. Faith is different. Faith is not the same thing. Faith is when you believe something that you haven't experienced before. Does that make sense? You see where it's going here? Faith is when you believe something to be true, to be right, to actually, it's about to happen, it's going to occur, but you have no evidence for it occurring because it hasn't happened before. Faith is something that you haven't ever seen before, you've never encountered before, and yet it now is going to occur, occur or has occurred, and it's caused faith to spring up in you like a well. So when you were a child, when I was a child, did you have faith? Yes, children have faith. But more what children have, what I had as a child, was belief. Children have belief because they're told to believe things. Parents, grandparents, godparents, important people in their life, they speak to the kids, they speak to you, they speak to I, and they tell them, here, these are some things that you should believe. And the kids, because they trust those figures in their life, and rightly so, believe those things. And then every one of us, at some point in your lives, maybe when it was in your teen years, maybe it's when you got to college, maybe it's after that, every point in your life, you came to this crux where you had to decide, do I want to become someone that has faith 
or do I want to become someone that has unbelief? You have to choose because at some point, belief just isn't enough anymore. Will I have faith that there's no evidence for these things, but I still believe that they're going to happen, that they, I have faith in that? Or do I just choose unbelief? Not going to believe anymore. For me personally, that happened when I went off to college. I had been taught as growing up by my mom primarily a little bit about Jesus, not a lot. But I believed it was true because primarily they said it was true. We went to church. Uh, the pastor said it was true, and he seemed pretty smart. So that seemed all good to me. These people that were in authority over me seemed to know what they were talking about, and I believed it. And then I got to college, and I thought, you know, I don't, I don't think I believe that anymore. And so I moved into unbelief. I didn't move toward faith. I moved, towards, I moved into unbelief. And then I met this guy named Brad, and Brad said, well, here's the problem, Jonathan. Uh, the problem is that you just, you, you don't have faith because you haven't experienced God, and so you've got to give God a chance. Try to experience him. Let him talk to you. And at first I was like, that's a crazy idea, Brad. You drink too much. Um, but then I was like, okay, well, I'll just give it a shot, sort of skeptically, see what happens. Lo and behold, God's going And I moved from unbelief back into belief and then all the way into faith. My faith became real and it became my own. All of us have to have these moments where we figure out, are we just believing or are we going to have faith? Belief is simply not enough and it's not what the author of Hebrews is talking about. So when I talk about the shadow of faithfulness, that is the effect of what happens when you live a life of faith or when you encounter faith and you live that faith out, that causes an effect, not only to yourself, but to the people that you know. So let's talk a little bit here about what faith does in us and to those around us. And this is where, so beautifully, the author of Hebrews comes in very, very helpfully. Here's what he says. Faith. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea. They'd never experienced it before. God parted it. By faith, they believed he's going to hold that water back. And there was dry ground. Goes on to say, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell. Now, lots of walls of lots of cities had fallen before, but they had never fallen without warfare. That's what happened in Jericho. They never happened because the people were just singing, which is what happened in Jericho. So he said, by faith, they just... Marched around the walls, didn't make any sense, boom, they won the victory. By faith, the author tells us that someone living in that city, Rahab, who had helped the spies who had come in, her particular segment of the wall didn't fall. So when the rest of the wall falls, you think all of it falls because what's holding it all together? In fact, this lady, her little segment stayed up. Why? Because she believed it would. Because she believed God would do it. She had no evidence of that, and yet God did it. Faith changed all of these people, has changed God's people throughout history. The author goes on. Hopefully you saw this. Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, the prophets. All people who with faith, in faith, through faith, because they had faith, saw kingdoms conquered, saw justice done, saw promises fulfilled that were incredible and crazy. 
They saw deadly animals calm, and on and on and on. The author mentions all these things that happen by faith, not by, by, by belief, but by faith. How could they have believed? This is crazy stuff. The only way to experience these things is to say, well, I've never seen that before, but I believe that you're going to, I have faith that you're going to do it, and God did it. Their faith, the author tells us, casts a shadow, a shadow that now reaches to us, to you and I, to this very day, to this moment. And you yourself can cast a shadow in faith. Let's pause for a second before we get to that, though, and, and ask what that means. Look also at the gospel. Look at the gospel reading for the day. Were any of you surprised with how angry Jesus seems? I mean, if you, uh, you know, Deacon Mary did a very faithful reading to that, to the scriptures. But if you read it, sort of the way in which Jesus is saying it, he's really mad. You ever wonder why Jesus is mad in this instance? He actually says what he wants to do is he wants to bring fire to earth, and he wants to consume these people. It's because they've seen so much. They've had all these stories. They've heard of what God has done through his people for millennia, and yet they choose not to even believe. Forget faith. They didn't have faith. They won't even believe the very stories of which their own people have told, to which Jesus says, you're so lost. You're not getting anything. You're missing everything. God was faithful in every way, time and time and time again. It's what he does. It's who he is. It's his very nature to be faithful. And the people don't even want to believe. And so Jesus says, So what about you? Where are you at? What about us? What about our church, our place of doing life together in community? Where is your belief? Would Jesus condemn it? Say you don't even have belief? How about your faith? Where's your faith? Do you leave a legacy in your faith? Well, I love this because the author of Hebrews also has a charge for us that he gave to the readers of this letter. And he says, since you have now the examples of what people have done by faith, now throw off whatever's holding you back. Since you know what it looks like for people to leave a legacy of faith, to leave a shadow of faith, he says, stop whatever sin is entangling you and holding you down. Don't, don't live like that anymore, he says. Ed, run the race. Run the race that is before you. That is, live this life that you have been given. And you don't need to look back at all the things that God has said or he's going to do. Because that's belief. He says, instead, look at all the things God wants to do, that he's going to do, that he's told you he's going to do. He says, don't live by belief. Live by faith. He's never going to quit doing things that we could have never expected, things that we have never seen or believed possible. He does that all the time, actually. It's quite common 
question's for you is, do you see it? Well, that's on you, not on God, because he's doing it. So I don't know if your eyes are open. Have you ever noticed in the gospel how many times Jesus says, to he who has ears, let him hear? Or, if you have eyes, please see. He's talking to us, you guys. The Trinity's faithfulness. God's shadow of faithfulness stretches from creation to this very moment. And I hope that you see that he has been faithful in every way. And his faithfulness, not ours, changed the people of Scripture, changes us today, and will change not only your children, but your children's children to the third and fourth generation of what Scripture says. His shadow of faithfulness should cause you to be faith-filled, should cause you to be inspired, should cause you to want to go out there and run that race. Does it? Or does it make you want to shrink, not say anything, be quiet, to live a simple life? Well, when I was out uh, on the, walking the Camino de Santiago on this pilgrimage, saw lots of different things, met lots of great people, some of which I will talk about next week uh, after church, have a little presentation about that. But one thing I want to tell you about right now that I saw, um, we saw, and actually, many, many places that we were walking. We would be in these uh, small towns, but even smaller, like villages, hamlets. Sometimes these places were as small as like just like 100 people living there. Very, very small places. Um, I'm not even sure why folks were living there. Like, what was the industry? What kept them there? I was not entirely sure. I couldn't make heads or tails of it. But in, in the midst of that, we would walk into this little town, this little village, and inevitably, right in the middle of it, or somewhere in that town, there was this, uh, this pedestal. And on top of that pedestal would be a pillar. And on the top of that pillar, there was going to be, a, there, was, there was almost always a crucifix. What stood out to me again and again was how the people who had erected these pedestals and pillars, the message they wanted to send to whoever walked by is, hey, his death, it meant something to us. It means something to us. And so they built these pedestals and pillars as a sign of their faithfulness, as a sign of God's faithfulness to them and their continued faithfulness. Also at the base of each of these pillars was a little uh, an inscription. Well, maybe it wasn't that legend, but it's just, and it would say the year that this pillar was erected. And very commonly, the dates were like 1729 or 1681 or 1542. What stood out to me every time I saw that was, that's before our country even existed. People in these little towns were getting together, saving their pennies, doing whatever it took to build these monuments so that someone would know the cross mattered long before the U.S. was a superpower. We weren't even super yet. We were nothing. And here these people are saying, no, the cross matters. That's faithfulness. So what I took to doing, for whatever reason, I'm not sure, is every time I would go and we would pass one of those pillars, I would just go over and just touch it. Just put my hand on it. And for me, it was a way in which I was adding my faithfulness to theirs. Here we are, 2019, still following Jesus. Thank you. 
whoever built this thing back in the 1700s, 1600s. Thank you. It was a way in which I saw their faithfulness, and I was just adding a little piece of mind as I was walking. I would even pray for that village. I didn't realize this until this morning, but actually, as you walk out in the back of our church, we have this little framed picture of a cross and a little pedestal. It's exactly what they look like. So on your way out, look at that. Exactly, they're much bigger, but they're maybe 10 to 15 feet tall. We have a little one right here. The shadow, the shadow of faithfulness. I was a little bit of a part of it in that moment while I was walking. You, by being here today, you are a part of that shadow. Hebrews says, look, look to the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. He's done it before. He's doing it now. He will do it for the next generation. Look to Jesus is what Hebrews says. So run that race. Run that race as you look to Jesus, as you look to encounter not belief, but faith. And as you encounter faith, look for that legacy that he will leave through you. Run that race. Embrace it with him. So today, you may need to, for the first time in your life, commit yourself to Christ. You may today need to commit yourself to running that race. Maybe you never saw your life as a part of that race. That, yeah, sort of Jesus is like a multivitamin that you take when you need a little boost, a little help, and church is your little boost. No, you're much worse off. It's way worse than that. You need an anti-venom, and that's what Jesus this is how you will leave a legacy of faithfulness. This is how your shadow will grow in a healthy way. And he will do things that you have never seen before. So ask yourself, what is the shadow of faith that you're leaving? Is it a long shadow? Or is it quite shallow? And why is that? And what would you do to change it? I'll tell you, these are very difficult questions. They are not simple ones. They are honest questions that you must ask, that the author of Hebrew is forcing upon us today, and I want you to be as honest as you can about them. I would love for you to talk about them when you leave here over lunch with the folks that you uh, do a little life with. What is the shadow of faithfulness that I'm leaving? What is God doing in me? Who is your faith affecting now and how are you going to be like one of those pillars I saw that long after you're gone folks are going to look around like we can in this room today and see the names at the bottom of uh, these stained glass windows or the names of other people who have been faithful who have made this place possible are you going to be like one of those pillars or will people after you're gone even not know that you're a Christian that you are a follower of Christ. Will that be the legacy that you left? You get to choose. You get to run that race. What will your shadow look like? Let me pray. Father, we thank you that you give us this opportunity to participate with you. That you have been so faithful to us, but the question now is to us, what kind of race will we run? And so I pray for all of us who are struggling with that question. What does our faithfulness look like? And I pray that we would be honest. If it is uh, shallow, if it's immature, that we would begin to take it seriously. We'd begin to invest in this spiritual walk with you, not just by praying more, not just by 
maybe reading scripture more, though those things are good, but by also getting involved in your community of faith and looking for folks to help us grow. I thank you for these cloud of witnesses of witnesses who have gone before us that now surround us, who are actually praying for us right now, those who are no longer present on earth but are cheering us on from the stands. I pray that we would hear their voices as they loudly say, run the race. And I pray as we hear that voice, we would be inspired not to work harder to do more, but instead to be more faithful, to trust that you want to do more in us. Thank you, God, that you your faithfulness to us is unwavering. It's never changed. Help us to hear it, to see it, and to live it. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening. To find out more about what's going on here at Grace Church, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, our website, graceocala.org, or, of course, on our campus here in sunny Ocala, Florida. Go in peace.